We're all starting a new series this week, a new series called Does God Really Love Me? Does God really love me? Of course, we theologically know the answer to that. It's an astounding, yes, he does. But oftentimes, if we're being honest, we don't feel that, we don't know that, we struggle to believe that at the core of our being. And so we're going to be spending 50 days in a row focusing on God's love. This series will last 50 days uh, we're gonna look at God's perfect love. We're gonna look at his revealed love. We're, we're gonna dive into how his love impacts our identity, how it impacts our daily lives. I think it's gonna be a dynamic series that we'll spend over the course of the next 50 days together. And in order to get the most out of this experience, there are four different things that we're inviting you to participate in, inviting you to be a part of so that you can really maximize your experience through this series. There's four things. There's Sunday church, small groups. We have a 50-day devotional that you can grab and you can be part of some special services that we are planning as well. For eight Sundays in a row, we're gonna be in this series, Does God Really Love Me? Focusing on the love of God. His love is immeasurable, it's inexhaustible, it's, it's infinite in nature, and even eight weeks won't really do it justice, but for that long, we're gonna spend our time focused on his infinite love. And every one of these messages, I think, will be a great opportunity for you to bring someone to church who's maybe exploring the faith, maybe has questions about the faith, because we're gonna be talking about God's immeasurable love for us. But even if you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you consider yourself spiritually mature, this is gonna be a great series for you because we can always go deeper in our relationship with him. And there's always things about our life that we think, well, yeah, if God knew that, maybe he, would maybe he loves me, but he doesn't love this part of me. No, God loves you. And so we're gonna be exploring that together over the next few weeks. As I said, we have small groups as well. There's 14 different small groups that you can sign up for. They meet throughout the city. Some of them meet right here at this building, others in various homes around Fort Collins in Northern Colorado. And every small group is going through the same curriculum. We've designed this so that we can kind of lock arms, not only individually, but in our small groups, as well as collectively when we gather on Sundays. There's a seven to 10 minute video that's supplemental to the message that you'll get on Sunday to just continue the conversation. There's some great questions. Your small group leader will facilitate some prayer time, some ministry time. And as we talked last week, it's just a great opportunity for you to be known and to know other people that call Vineyard Church of the Rockies home. And so we'd encourage you to sign up for a small group. You can do that between services today uh, or on your, online at votrweekly.org. We also, I mentioned, have a 50-day devotional book. And if you've signed up for a small group, your book is already uh, prepared for you. We actually ran out of books, but we're gonna be purchasing more and, and making more for you, actually making more, purchasing more binding and making more for you. But in the meantime, you can log on to votrweekly.org. Look at my sermon notes. We have all of this online in PDF form for you as well. I wanna highly encourage you to participate in this. Just spend 15 to 20 minutes a day. It takes you day by day through different lenses and ways to look at God's love. It's full of scripture, it's full of great exercises and conversations and even some assessments, some personal self-assessments on how you're doing and experiencing God's love on a consistent and regular basis. And finally, we have two special services that are gonna bookend this series. Coming up on Sunday, March 29th, you can save the date for that. We'll have a night of ministry and prayer. 
right? An extended time of, of worship that leads into a time where we really invite the Holy Spirit to move in a powerful way in our lives and in our midst. And so if you want to experience God's ministry through the Holy Spirit, we would invite you to March 29th. But we also, this year, want to create a few different services where we, uh, where we approach God in a more contemplative or more subdued way. And that first service is tonight in this room at 6.30 p.m. called Dwell. And this night is going to be a little bit more low-key, like I said, designed for you to contemplatively kind of approach God and experience God in that way. If you've never done anything like that, this will be a great uh, night to participate in because we'll be teaching some of those spiritual exercises and really creating space for God to speak to you individually. Uh, there's childcare. It'll be a, it'll be a great night for, for you to participate in as well. So there you have it. We've got four different things. We have set the table in four different ways for you to maximize this experience of God's love through this series, Sunday church, small groups, this devotional, as well as these two uh, special services that we're hosting. And I know how it goes. This sounds like a lot to some of you. It might sound overwhelming. And, and sometimes in our human nature, we have the tendency to like, if we miss one or two things, we just throw in the towel, fight that urge. Okay. Because a little bit of a good thing is better than nothing of a good thing. And if, and if you can only do a little bit, if you miss a Sunday or you miss a small group or you, you miss a couple days of, of the devotional, just push delete on that and sign up again because God will continue to move uh, as you press into to this experience. And, and, and quite honestly, I, I think we all need this. We all need more of God's love in our lives. And my hope and prayer is that as we intensely focus on God's love for 50 days, we will start to see God's love in new ways. It's kind of like when you buy a new car, right? And now you can focus on your car. It's in your driveway. And then all of a sudden, magically, you see that car everywhere. You've never seen it before. It's not because everyone's purchasing habits mimic yours, right? I hate to break it to you. We are not the center of the universe. Other people have been buying that car. Right, But once you recognize it and you address it and it, you focus on it because it's yours, all of a sudden you start to see that car a lot more often. I believe this is going to happen to your life as we as a church community and, and small groups and, and even individually focus on God's love more often. We will begin to see God's activity in our life and around us. We'll be able to experience his love in the small and the big ways on a more consistent basis because we're looking for it. We're focused on it. And of course, if we're being honest, we all need it. We all need a deeper encounter with God's love. And I, I think this is incredibly important because nothing will set your life on a trajectory with God like a personal experience with God's love. You know, Matt and the team can sing about it. I can talk about it. You can get in a small group and talk about it again. You can read the devotional and talk about it some more. But the truth is we're doing all of this series. We're, we're creating all of these ways for you to experience God because nothing will beat you having a personal experience with God's love. I think if there could be a key word for this series, a key word that might give you a lens on how to approach what we're doing, I think the word might be surrender. I want to invite you to surrender to God's love. That's not a very attractive word in today's culture, but I want to invite you to surrender to God's love. Right now, my wife Natalie and I are trying to teach our kids how to swim. 
right? And so we go around to different indoor pools here in Fort Collins and we try to teach them to swim. And part of teaching them to swim is teaching them to float on their backs. And they can stand from the pool deck and say, yes, dad, I believe I can float. Or they can get into the shallow end and splash their face with water and say, I I do agree with you that I can float, but they do need to lean into my arms. They need to trust my love. They need to trust that I have their best interest in mind and they need to allow themselves to lean completely into my arms so that they can begin to float. And I think that word picture is my invitation for all of us that we we, we, we can't stand on the pool deck anymore pointing at God's love. You know, I, I don't even want to invite you to, to dip your toes into the shallow end and begin to talk about God's love. I want to invite you to surrender to God's love, into his arms, to float in his immeasurable love during this series. 50 days of God's love, learning to experience and surrender into his arms. Can we handle that? I've got, I've got four head nods. That's enough for me. We're moving forward. <laughs> I've already planned it out, so we're doing it. <laughs> Let's pray, and then we'll jump into the first message of does God really love me? God, we, we know in our minds that you love us. We can read it in scripture that you love us, but we wanna feel it. We wanna know it. We wanna experience it. We want it to be the compass of our hearts and the compass of our lives. Would you come and reveal and show us your perfect love, your never-ending love, Come and have your way in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're gonna start with a a mini exercise, a mini experiment this morning. And this is going to involve out loud church activity, okay? Some of you are already shaking your heads no. You don't have to do it, it's okay. Um, I'm 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 gonna put a phrase up on the screen and I want us all collectively to say it out loud together. And I want you, when we do this, I want you to pay attention to what's happening in your mind. Pay attention to what's happening in your heart. Are you attracted to this phrase? Are you, are you rejecting this phrase, wanting to keep it at an arm's distance? Do you almost laugh when you say it because you can't quite say it in a serious voice? All of those things. Pay attention to all of those things. But let's try this little exercise together this morning. Okay, ready? Phase one, God loves me. Say it with me. God loves me. God loves me. God loves you. Some of you know this phrase deeply. Some of you have heard this phrase your entire lives. Others, you're not so sure, or maybe you're very new to this phrase. You might agree with this phrase intellectually, but, but perhaps when you lay in bed at night and you're trying to fall asleep, you wonder if it's really true. You wonder if he loves all of you or just 95% of you. Pay attention to these things. God loves you. God loves you. Phase number two, are you ready? God likes me. Say it with me. God likes me. You guys are really, like, you're setting a high bar for second service. God likes you. Now, this one might be a little bit harder for some of us, maybe easier for others, But this is an important concept for us to wrestle with. It's hard for some of us because because we even have memories, right? We have memories of loved ones in our lives who have looked us square in the eye and and said, I love you, but I don't really like you. And and we've made a meaning out of that. We've, We've ascribed that kind of reality to God, that he might love us, but he doesn't really like us. 
But this is scripturally, this is, this is a sound statement that God likes you. He doesn't just love you, he likes you. Last phrase for this morning, then I promise I'll let you off the hook for the rest of the message. God loves to love me. God loves to love me. Do you believe that? It's a little different than just God loves me, but he loves to love you. For some reason, over the years, Christians have come up with this really wonky theology, right? That like God has to love us because it says so in the Bible. Like, oh, I know I've screwed up most of my life or I keep screwing up, but, but God loves me because it says he has to and he can't be a liar. So, so I guess God loves me. No, I mean, yes, but God loves to love you. Is that something that he's like has to do in order to be a, a God of integrity, right? He, he loves to love you. He, the scripture actually says that he prepares the way to demonstrate his love to you even when you're not aware of it. That he's stacking the deck. He's creating a lifestyle of him surprising you with his love. He loves to love you. It might be part of the reason you're here this morning. Because God has a plan to reveal part of his love to you this morning. These are powerful truths for us. Powerful truths for us to memorize and to allow him to speak those words over you. God loves you. God likes you. God loves to love you. It brings him pleasure to show you his love. The first message of this series is titled Perfect Love perfect love. That's the kind of love that he has for us. It's the kind of love that he wants to show to us. Perfect love. This morning, we're going to explore the promises of God's perfect love in 1 John 4, verses 16 to 18. You can pull out your own Bibles or look it up on the phone. It'll be on the screen behind you as well. I'm going to start in verse 16. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Some translations say perfect love casts out all fear. This is the love of God for you. The perfect love of God. In this short text, there are a lot of promises about God's perfect love. We're gonna take some time this morning to unpack those quickly but before we look at those promises, there's one core truth that I think is really important for us to talk about on the front end, and, it, and it's this. God is love. Love is not God. God is love. Love is not God. And that might seem like a small, minor thing to you, just rearranging the words to make a point. But this truth is so incredibly important, especially in our culture today, because right now, all across the nation, we are led to believe that love is the new God. That love is the new God. And, and what we mean usually in our culture when we say that is love me like the way I want to be loved. Love me on my terms. 
Or if I can just find love in this world, then somehow I'll be made complete. Or I don't really feel in love with you anymore. And when we take this earthly idea of love and we ascribe it to God, we begin to define God and the ways that he should love us or he should interact with us instead of allowing him to define love and the perfect love that he actually has. Even worse, we begin to replace him with a lifeless and and limited view of what perfect love actually is. See, when we allow the culture to define love and not God, love becomes a moving target. Love becomes a moving target. And we can actually make a, a Christless love an idol in our hearts. And when love becomes an idol, we we sacrifice values to obtain it. We sacrifice holiness in order to experience it. And we sacrifice God's eternal and perfect love for a temporary and fruitless substitute. God is love. Love is not God. Now, if if we stay here at just that idea, this, this idea of God's perfect love will stay fairly theoretical and conceptual. And so let, let's dig into the scripture a little bit. Let's pull out some of these concrete ideas. Take a look at some of these promises right from the text this morning about God's perfect love. First, you can know God's love. You can know it. First John 4, 16 says it in plain language. We know how much God loves us. And remember, we're not talking about some kind of mental agreement with God's love, some kind of mental ascent where we, where we come up into this new theological bliss where we know what God's love is and we, we, uh, we do agree with that intellectually. We're talking about something way deeper than that, way more meaningful than, than even believing in God's love talking about knowing it internally, having a personal experience with it, being formed deeply by it, transformed by its ongoing and consistent work in our life, having such a deep and intimate connection with God that at any moment, any moment of your day, you could experience a mini experience or a mini encounter with God's love. I mean, if you think about the author of this book, 1 John, is the Apostle John one of Jesus's disciples. In fact, it was the disciple who at the last supper was caught leaning his head on the chest of Jesus. At any moment in his life after Jesus died and was resurrected, the apostle John could just close his eyes and just kind of lean back on any any couch or any cushion and remember that very moment where he was close and near to Jesus. He could experience that love all over again. And it's this same person who's writing to us saying, we can know this love. We can close our eyes and experience this love just like he has. And admittedly, most of us don't walk around in this kind of reality. This kind of experience seems far off for us. Like maybe we, I mean, it doesn't matter how long we live with our eyes closed, we'll never have that experience. But just because we don't experience it today doesn't mean the promise is any less valid. Just because you don't experience a biblical truth today doesn't mean you're not promised it tomorrow. And I think sometimes our lack of experience begins to define our theology, but John is saying, no, you can know God's love. You can deeply and intimately know God's love and experience it for yourself. 
And now in order to do this, you might have to try on some new things. If you want to experience God's love in a new way, you might need to try to try to present yourself to God in some new ways as well. Wasn't it Henry Ford who said, if you, if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll keep getting what you've always gotten, right? Maybe it's time to, to try on something new in your walk with Jesus to experience a new depth of his love. You might want to spend a little bit more time in the Bible focusing on the passages about God's love. You might want to come to services like tonight where we will intentionally create space for you to experience God's love or, or grab this devotional or join a small group that's centered on these ideas so that you can press into his love in new ways. This is a promise. This is a promise to you and to me that we can truly experience God's love. Okay, second promise. Second promise. You can trust God's love. You can trust it. Verse 16, again, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. Again, some translations, maybe your translation says you can rely on God's love. You can rely on it. That means you can trust your history into God's love. You can rely on God's love for your future. There's not a single area of your life that has to be off limits to God's love. And in order to do this really well, it's, it's, it's kind of like the word picture I shared earlier of, of teaching my kids to swim. It helps to surrender to his love. It helps to trust what he says about you and to lean into those truths and try them on almost daring God to show you his love. Again, sitting on the side of the pool, simply talking about God's love probably isn't gonna cut it. You need to jump in. You need to jump in. You need to throw yourself into God's arms. Let God teach you how to float in his love. Another illustration that I'm very attuned to right now is like a, a child who's kicking and screaming and won't stop. <laughs> I know this very well. By the way, we're the kicking and screaming child in this illustration just to prepare yourself. A child's kicking and screaming and a father goes to pick up that child and holds that child who's kicking and screaming. And for a while, you might continue to kick and scream, but a loving father will just hold you close will speak words of truth and words of affirmation and words of love over that child until that child can finally surrender to his or her father's love. This is an idea of how sometimes we approach God and God doesn't keep us at a distance. He picks us up and holds us. And he holds us through the kicking and the screaming because sometimes, sometimes part of our hearts aren't ready to be loved. He's patient with us. He loves to love you. He loves to show you his perfect love in all of your imperfect ways. Let me encourage you this morning for the next 50, 50 days to not let anything hold you back from God's love. Surrender to it, rely on it, trust it. My prayer is that you will begin to experience his unchanging love over your life because his, his love is trustworthy. It's trustworthy. Third point, 
You can live, because of this love, you can live without fear. You can live without fear. Look at verses 17 and 18. This is such an important truth for many of us in the room this morning. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus and you are living in his love, you don't have to walk in fear anymore. You don't have to wonder what's going to happen to you when you die. You don't have to be concerned about your salvation because perfect love casts out fear. And I have met so many Christians who struggle with the assurance of their own salvation, who wonder what's going to happen to them when they die. They wonder if they've done enough good things, if they've honored God in enough ways, as if those good deeds somehow balance the equation and get you to heaven. That's not what we're talking about. The only thing that saves you is a personal relationship with Jesus where you've surrendered your life to him. You believe that he's died on the cross and was raised back to life so that he can give you eternal life. It's not your good deeds. And when you surrender to that love, the scripture says you don't have to fear what's going to happen to you anymore in this life or the next because God has a plan. And God's love is all that matters on that side of the equation. His love for you. Now, I realize if you, if you haven't given your life to Christ, it, it might be a little bit of a different feeling. But if you have, if, you've had a, if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you started that and you've surrendered your life to him, the scripture says you don't have to fear anymore. You don't have to fear anymore because God's made a way for you. You can conquer your fear with his love. Another thing that's, that's fascinating about this, this scripture to me is, is almost countercultural in our day. We, we often say that the antidote to fear is courage, right? That the antidote to fear is courage. And, and I like courage. I want to be a courageous leader. I want to raise my children to, to be courageous followers of Jesus. I want our church to step into the unknown in courageous ways, in this spiritual adventure in courageous ways. But, but scripture says that courage isn't actually the antidote to fear. Love is the antidote to fear. Isn't that a fascinating idea? It's not just pulling yourself up on the bootstraps. It's not just risking your life and having incredible faith. Although those things are incredibly important for our walk with Jesus. They don't inherently answer the question of fear. Love does that. Love does that. Can you imagine your life without fear? Just let yourself drift there for a moment. Imagine your life without fear. Maybe you fear eternity. Maybe you fear not having enough, not, not being enough. Maybe you fear being rejected, never measuring up. Maybe you fear failure. And those fears keep you from following Christ in the most dynamic way that you possibly can. Scripture is saying that God has a solution for that, and it starts with his love. God has a solution for that, and it starts with his love. One more point this morning. Scripture tells us that because of God's love, we can love others. That you can love 
others. You can know God's love. You can trust God's love. You can live without fear. And finally, you can love others. Verse 19, we love each other because he first loved us. We love each other because he first loved us. I've said it a few times now. I don't mind saying it again that I really do believe the mark of a healthy Christian is one who's walking kind of in this deep and intimate connection with God, but also living life on a mission, living outside of their comfort zone and, and living intentionally to see God's love and kingdom expand. You need both of these realities in your life if you're going to mature as a Christian, a deep connection with God and a missional lifestyle. These things are vital for the ongoing maturity of a Christian. And and verse 19 points exactly to this reality. We can love others because he's loved us. It's a great reminder of both of these realities. Our efforts to love the world around us will always fall flat if we sacrifice our initial love with God. Your ability to love your neighbor will be less effective if you aren't keenly aware of how God's pouring his love into you. Now you can step out and you can try it and, and God will bless it because he's good like that. But if you want fruitful longevity over your spiritual life, over the long haul, you need both of these realities. God pouring his love into you so that you can give it away freely as he's given it to you. If you want to love others well, you need to make sure that you are consistently receiving God's love, his delight, his joy, even his affections over you the reality that he loves to love you. Self-fueled love will always fail when compared to Christ-centered love. He will always fall short. We love others because he first loved us. I wanna close with a story this morning about love. At least one of the ways that at the Faust house, we try to instill this reality of love with our kids. And it's gonna sound weird at first, I realize that, but just hang on to the end. Because the reality is, one of the ways that we're trying to do this is we, is we talk about our kids behind their backs. We talk about our kids behind their backs. And, and, that's an important part of this, we always make sure that they're listening. We always make sure that they're listening when we talk behind their backs. This is how it works. If, you, if you've had young kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When they get to the age where they can crawl out of their bed or out of their crib, they do it. I don't know why they do it, but they just start doing it. It's like this newfound freedom, right? And, and the really interesting thing is at least my children, I know my children, you know, they think they're like little child ninjas and, and, and you can't hear them. But the truth is they're like the loudest little child ninjas you've ever heard. They're like elephants walking in the hallway. They, my kids even talk to themselves a little bit. They're like whisper, okay, be quiet now. They're like encouraging. You can hear them coming from a mile away. They step on all the steps that make noise. They cough and they sneeze. And it's like they haven't connected the senses yet, right? That is, as long as you can't see them, you can't hear them. You know this, right? And Natalie and I made a decision a long time ago, knowing that this was going to happen, that when it happens, we weren't just going to shout at them from the kitchen, go back to your room or from the couch without lifting a finger, get back in bed, right? And full disclosure, that has happened before. I'm not, I'm not a perfect dad. We made a decision that when they started doing that, that we would talk about them just loud enough that they could hear. And so they'd come out of their room and they'd start making all those noises and you could hear them coming. And so Natalie or I, we'd look at each other, we'd give each other, you know, that holy head nod that means let's, let's go for it. 
And we would just start, you know what I love about Kingston? And once they hear their name, they just stop. They just freeze. No more coffee, no more sneezing. You, you, you actually hear them almost stop breathing because the anticipation for what mom and dad might say about them when they think nobody's listening, they wanna know those things. And so once you know they're paying attention, you just say, I love that Kingston's so brave. Like I've just... I've seen him try so many new things and he's, he, he's never afraid to just, to just try it and to just learn and to enjoy it while he's doing it. Or, or Kingston's such a, a good big brother. He loves his younger sister so well. I'm just amazed at what God has put into his heart. And then after a while, after we've said two or three things or maybe something that we've seen recently, we walk over to the stairs we act surprised. We pick them up and we take them back to bed. Now they've had an encounter with the way their parents love them. Now they've had a deep experience about how mom and dad care for them, even when they're not around. And I want to let you in on a little secret, a secret you probably know about, but you probably don't think about very often. God talks about you all the time. He's talking about you right now. He's talking about you behind your backs. He's talking about all the treasure that he's deposited in your heart, all the gold that he's placed in there. He's talking about qualities and characteristics that maybe you don't even know about yourself. And he's calling those things out. He, he, he's got letters written to you about his love. He's old school. And we forget some of these, these letters sometimes, so we have to go back and read them again. In our humanity, in our brokenness, sometimes we forget the things that, he, that God has said about us, and so we need to read them again and have them refresh our minds and our hearts. But God is absolutely talking about you. All of the time, he has good things to say about you. He's saying that he loves you. God is saying, I like you. God is saying that I love to love you. It brings God joy to show you his love. During this series, during Does God Really Love Me, we're gonna spend a lot of time focusing on what he's saying to us today and saying to us for eternity. Let's pray.